0: The Prestige is Christopher Nolan's deeply interwoven film, about two rival stage magicians played by Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. There's plenty of twists and plenty of turns, so let's solve the puzzle of The Prestige. Welcome, everyone, to The Collector's Cut. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, is David. Are you watching closely? Very good. This is a movie podcast. We are working our way through Christopher Nolan films, all of his non-science fiction and non-Batman movies. Um, Why are you making a face at me?
1: Well, this one is tagged as science fiction. I noticed that as i was scrolling
0: no there is a slight science fiction element to this uh but given that we were doing a christopher nolan season um i elected to include it on this show as opposed to leaving it for some point on the atomic cinema experiment which is a science fiction movie podcast that i do with tara go check it out but hey. um yeah so we've done most of nolan's films at this point uh, this is the second last episode we're doing on them. And mm-hmm. this was the film that came out a year. This came out one year after Batman Begins, uh, which he's never had a turnaround that quick ever again. No. Uh, so how he managed that, I'm not entirely sure. But it, it, that's how it came out. And obviously, this was the one where more people knew who he was. This was, you know, his sort of first film post the Batman movie. So it, it, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people checked it out because of him in a way that maybe wasn't true from a mentor insomnia. And
1: certainly not following, because, you know, <laughs> uh, that was before anyone knew who he was. I will say, though, uh, just because I'm sure this is the only place I'm going to be able to bring it up, the author of the novel that this movie is based off of, mm. uh, he actually got sent a VHS copy of Following, and that's the reason that he wanted Christopher Nolan on the film. So that's that's the only thing he saw of his you know, was following no yeah. memento no insomnia given the narrative
0: structure of this film that actually is not that strange to me i can see mm-hmm. how he would watch followed and go you know i think this guy could handle the uh the style of the, the, the at least the structure of the story if nothing else yeah uh yeah it's based on a book which is interesting because it's it does feel quite nolan-y in places but at the same time oh, yeah. it does also stick out as feeling different to all of his films um there's a lot of things in this that don't feel nolan to me uh -hmm. so we'll talk about that Uh, obviously we will start spoiler free as we always do and this one is very twisty and turny. so there's a lot of things we can't talk about until we get into spoilers uh so it'll be general feelings and you know impressions on the cast and things like that uh before we Mm -hmm. get to all that stuff uh but the basic premise of this as best as i can say without giving anything (laughs) away is two rival magicians one played by Hugh Jackman and one played by Christian Bale who are escalating as their careers go on and trying to one-up each other and steal things from each other. And there's also, like, a personal vendetta as well, uh, based on something that happens early on in their careers. And mm. that's basically all I'll say. I think that, that'll do it. Uh, but there's a whole lot, a bunch of other cast members in there that we'll talk about. Uh, but I know David was looking forward to talking about this
1: one. Yes. I, 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 I think I did watch... Dark Knight before this. I don't think I got this one in, you know, the order it came out. But once I saw Dark Knight, I wanted to go back. I wanted to check out other Nolan films. It was actually my high school girlfriend at the time. Her father was really into this movie and suggested I watched it. And I said, sure, why not? And I sat down, I checked it out. And my poor little 17-year-old brain was just blown all over. Just like, oh, my God. I didn't understand. Dark Knight didn't do nothing like this. So that I think this movie probably did more to keep me on the Nolan train and check out further stuff than even Dark Knight did. Like it, it's just showed me that this guy had so much unbelievable talent, even ignoring him have, being able to work with, like, known properties of Batman and Joker and whatnot.
0: Yeah, no, I saw this. I did not see it in theatres, I don't think, I don't think I went to Mm -hmm. see it, but I did see it that year it came out, you know, and I'd already discovered these past films, you know, after Batman at that point, so Mm -hmm. this was very much like appointment viewing, uh, although I think this was just before I started going to the movies myself, I think think at this point uh, there was still some stigma, uh, Mm -hmm. because I was 17 when this came out, uh, which is the age you were when you eventually saw it, but... Yes. I was actually 17 that year. And I think it was the year after that that I said, screw it, I'm sick of missing movies because no <laughs> one wants to go. And I've
1: never looked back. That was, that was the first time that I remember having that exact... Because I I saw the movies occasionally by myself. But the first one that like I was like, no, screw going with other people. I want to see this right now. I'm not even going to bother trying to make plans. Yeah. was possibly the worst one, which was <laughs> the Joker movie. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> Which, not not that I dislike that movie, but just being a single twenty-something-year-old white guy walking into that movie, I was like, people are gonna judge me so hard. Yeah,
0: I'm judging you a little bit. Uh, that's fine right
1: now. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so
0: yeah, obviously we get two big leads. Uh, I remember a lot of jokes at the time when it came out about it being Batman versus Wolverine because both <laughs> of them were obviously in their prime of doing those roles uh scarlett johansson i don't even think had been cast yet as black widow but no. this was obviously early enough on her career i, I mean i say early enough and that it's a long time ago now because this movie's 17 years old but i know that's shocking to say it loud but you know this was post post lost in translation which is very much considered kind of like where her career mostly kicked off i, I think ghost yeah. world was before that and of course the hit film home alone 3 in fact We'll be checking that out later this year, so look forward to that, bad boy. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like, I think most people consider Lost in Translation kind of her real ascendance to, you know, stardom being a name. Uh, And then not too long after that, she started getting roles and other things. And Mm -hmm. uh, so... So she, I definitely knew who she was when she was putting this at the time. I don't know if I'd seen her in a ton of things, but I definitely knew who she was. Michael Caine's in there. He's just like Nolan's best friend,
1: apparently, because he pops up in oh, yeah. so many of his movies. He, he he worked with him in Batman Begins, and he's like, "You've got a real air about you, sir. I'm going to include you in everything." Yeah.
0: So yeah, Batman Prestige, obviously the other Batman movies, Inception, mm-hmm. Interstellar. <laughs> yep.
1: I don't think he was in. No, he was he intended. I can't
0: remember. I just thought- I don't remember. I don't think so, but I, I could be misremembering yeah, that. Squeezed out of that one, maybe. Yeah. So, but no, that was that was a good run though. He had. He did like oh, seven yeah. movies with them in a row. <laughs> it was Mad. Absolutely. Uh, we also have Rebecca Hall in here. Andy Serkis is in here. David Bowie's in here. <laughs> like, I
1: sorry, I checked. He wasn't Tenet.
0: He so. was okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah. I'm so used to him being there that I didn't even, you know, I didn't even stick out to me that he was there. <laughs> of course, he's there. Why wouldn't he be there?
1: You just you just go in Christopher Nolan, starring Michael Caine, and we're like, yeah, we know. Yeah, I don't remember him being in Dunkirk either, but I'm I'm not going to be surprised if we watch
0: Dunkirk for the next episode and it just pops up somewhere.
1: I mean, I'll I'll tell you now, he's an uncredited voice. Ah, uh, okay. So so it's a sly appearance,
0: but he is there. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um. Also, this is this is a minor thing, but there's two actors in this that are in relatively small roles. But they both mm-hmm. stuck out to me because one is an actor who I know from Cheers and one is an actor that I know from Frasier. <laughs> so, so the verse is represented right. in here. So there's a lawyer in parts of the story that's kind of late in the timeline. He played Robin in Cheers. He was like a sort of rich love interest for uh, okay. Rebecca in the back half of that show. And then Gil, I think his name was from Frasier, who did like, the, 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 the food and art show and they always okay. made jokes about him being kind of pompous, and I think the implication was that he was gay. They never I don't know if they ever actually said that out loud, because it was the 90s, but, mm. <laughs> like, um, they're both in this. And, it, like, especially, like, I've never seen either of them in anything else other than those shows, so it was, like, weird that when I got to the second one and went, wait a minute, that's two Cheers
1: slash Frasier actors in this. Are... Or- so this whole movie is set in turn of the century 1900s London. Were they British actors? Yeah, both of them, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to because that's that's I feel like Scarlett Johansson and uh Hugh Jackman are the real like standouts here of like okay, these are American actors. Well, yeah. Hugh Jackman's not even trying. Hugh
0: but Jack the rest that, of them all whoa, feel whoa, whoa, pretty whoa, whoa. Hugh Jackman's not okay, American. Sorry. He's
1: Australian. He's Australian. <laughs> right. But <laughs> He is playing an American in this. And considering that, like, every other role he's cast in, sparring maybe like five, he's also American, I just, he's become American. He's just naturalized. Okay, sure. Now. But I don't think he put him in the
0: same campus. Because Scar- Scarlett's doing an English accent, she's pretending to be where the rest yeah, of the movie's that's set. Fair. Whereas he isn't. He's pretending to be a foreigner. So he still, he feels like he's just, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's his usual American accent that he does with uh yeah yeah
1: you know, it's wolverine yeah that's all it is he's
0: wolverine yes mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah so interesting cast uh you know sprinkled throughout and it- the structure is very enveloping it, you know it starts off somewhere in the middle it reveals some things It this, this movie has multiple characters reading from diaries that form scenes and then it plays out in a certain order to the point where when we get to spoilers, we're not going to go in the order the movie presents it because it would be impossible no, to remember all the little transitions that the movie does. Uh, we'll have to go more or less in chronological order, or just stick to the ideas and themes uh, mm-hmm. when we're talking about it. Um, but you've got that. Uh, as far as, like, direction goes, you know, just in thinking of the visuals, it's a very different type of of Nolan film because I, I kind of think of his movies as of having a a specific kind of feel to them. And I think having the Mm. period piece of the, of the time period and having, you know, everyone in these suits and hats and, you know, the carriages and all that, it it definitely gives it a different feeling than a lot of his other films.
1: Yeah. Like, like again, by the time you hit that sort of trilogy, he makes of inception to interstellar to Tenet, it, it, it works in these different sci-fi elements into the structure of just how he's directing. Like, it's, it's the contents that are informing the way that we view the movie itself. And this one, I mean, ostensibly, it's about these, you know, rival magicians. So there's some amount of illusion being the content, being the way that you view the movie, is how much of things are true, how much of things are trickery stuff like that. But I feel like what you're saying in that the period piece kind of informs that a bit more. Mm. You get this idea of this. I mean, it's just London. It's just London in the 1900s. And you feel this idea of they're in this bustling city and they're both just trying to make it the whole time. They're trying to make it and become these big magician names in performing.
0: Yeah. To be fair, I think half of it is the 1800s. Because like when he. There's a point in the middle of the story, give or take chronologically, where it specifically Mm. says 1899. So it is like right on that cusp on either side of the the turn of the century.
1: The whole movie takes place over roughly like eight years, give or take. Yeah, I feel like that's the good period.
0: Yeah, it is something like that. And I think you're basing that in the age of one character. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
1: One character who didn't exist at the beginning of this movie... And then look to be about eight. Yes, yes.
0: Um, so, I mean, I didn't really ask you the question, but uh, mm.
1: David, how did you feel about the prestige? God, this movie is trash, Pete. No, this movie's great. I, I I, I, think this movie is... the The only thing that I think is keeping this movie out of those conversations about, like, best movie twists is the fact that there are so many of them. There isn't just one thing that you can point to in this movie and be like, that was a fantastic twist. There's like seven of them. And I think they all are done magnificently over the course of this movie because they're not even saved for the end. Some of these twists are revealed in like the end of the first act and they're just keep going and going. Um, I think this movie is fantastic. It's setting up your expectations and then just completely flipping them and not in a negative way. It's, it's a great sort of vocal piece into like what Christopher Nolan is going to become in him messing with the structure, but not in a way that, you know, is memento levels, but in a way that it's in the context of the story, like how characters are discovering information is also in this sort of messed up way as well. So yeah, I mean, I like it. What more do I need to say about that?
0: I mean, the movie literally opens with Michael Caine defining, like, mm. the stages of a trick, and the third one is the prestige, which is what the, the title of the, the movie, obviously, is named after. Um, mm. And it says, you know, he it, it, it describes, you show the audience something ordinary, mm. and then you turn it into something that's not ordinary, and then you, you know, you bring it back round for the prestige, right? Yeah. The pledge <laughs> the to turn the prestige. The opening scene is telling you we're... T- going to trick you where we're intentionally going to like set you up and you know subvert things that's what it's doing um so how do i feel about prestige well i like it It it's a very good film um but something that i will say that might shock people is that outside of the one film that i don't actively like this is probably my least favorite nolan movie
1: that's fair I'm not. I I know this isn't for everybody. I I completely understand no, you, that. You say
0: that, but I see online all the time there is definitely a camp of people who stick off prestige as his best movie, and mm. it, and, and I I always sort of go, oh that's interesting, and then just sort of move on with my life. Right? Yeah, I don't get angry about it, but I
1: just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. All right, well, if I have to represent that camp today and just <laughs> yell you down the entire time, I'll do it.
0: Like no, it's very good. Like it's it's obviously very intricate. It's doing a lot of things. Um. Mm-hmm. Like, I th- I think one of like the point you just made about how having so many twists and that's maybe how it's not remembered for having a great like a great twist in that hmm. sense is be- like I do think that's somewhat true and I think it, it almost like having so many by the end they sort of lost the effect to me a little bit where it's just kind of like okay like yeah it's okay here's the next twist okay where are you going to do it again hmm. like you know you stop sort of like having my trust like it's almost like the audience in some of the scenes that the show. Where they're not that impressed with the classic magic tricks anymore. I'm like, mm. you've already tricked me. So I'm not yeah, you know, I'm waiting to be impressed again. And I do think ultimately what the movie reveals in its final, you know, ten, fifteen minutes, like I think all that stuff is is, is really good. It's thematic. Yeah. It all links back into stuff that's set up right at the start of the film. Like all all of that stuff is 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 interesting. I think obviously today we're going to talk a lot about the characters, their motivations, yeah. um, their what they're willing and not willing to do and, and all those things. Um that's all good. um, But I do think that this being based on a book that... You know, the screenplay is by the Nolan brothers, right? You know, it is by mm-hmm. both of them. Uh, and you can definitely feel how it fits into, like, how Nolan likes to tell stories and how he's having fun with the narrative structure. I would but, love
1: to read the original novel, just to see um, how it is structured.
0: But I, I, I do feel that difference to me in this one. And for some people, obviously, that's a positive, where they like this more. Uh, mm-hmm. For me... There's definitely parts of this uh, where it feels a bit more like a normal movie. And I know that may sound mm. insane because of how obviously fun it's, t- how much fun it's having with the structure and stuff, but yeah. there's points where like, you know, like some of the dialogue, they'll they they'll talk about something and it, it'll come off sounding a bit soapy or a little bit, you know, whatever. Uh, and there's some things that are a bit on the nose. And... This and you are watching this, and I've seen this a few times now. You know, I saw when it came out. I definitely showed it to one or two different groups of people. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. not too long after it came out. It's been a little while now. This was the first time I've watched it in some time. But watching okay. it, like once you know where it's going, um, some of which I actually I will say on, the, on my initial viewing, I did actually predict a couple things because I realized something, and that's not necessarily mm-hmm. a critique per se. But, uh, honestly, twist should be like not. Pr- when you say predictable, it sounds that like you're saying you should be able like, to... Like, right. Like, I'm saying the possibility of figuring it out should exist because, like, otherwise you have not seeded it properly, right?
1: The the breadcrumbs always need to be yeah. there. Whether or not you pick up on the breadcrumbs is entirely separate. Yeah. So, I will say that watching it, like, when you know where it's
0: going, it kind of makes you feel like how like, how did I not see all these...
1: Like right things that's, all these hints, you know and going back to what i was saying is that like that's the sort of thing where like immediately in my mind are the Shyamalan early films like sixth sense and stuff like that where you watch sure. it back again and you're thinking like how did i not see this how did how this seems so spelled out now that i know what i'm looking for this is in that same sort of camp for me where you look back and like yeah it's completely spelled out the whole way through but you're so engrossed in it that you, and like even the way the characters act, they they sometimes bring up the twist and say like, "Nah, that can't possibly be it." And it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, if they're acknowledging it, maybe I shouldn't be worrying about it either." And it just it plays with your expectations, as I said.
0: No, it does. It does. Um, it's it's kind of a weird thing where it, it goes back because I think those like Shyamalan films, those the early ones at least, are remembered mm-hmm. as be having bigger like. Gut punches when it comes to the reveals because Mm. one there's less of them and because the movie doesn't feel like it's constantly hiding something. Whereas with this, because it sets you up right at the start, this movie's a magic trick and we're going to miss you know misdirect you. We're going to you know know, look at the pretty woman over here so you don't see what the magician's doing on that side of the stage. It tells you it's going to do that from the start, so. There's a lot of little things I was noticing, particularly in the way it's edited this time, where it's intentionally trying to hide one or two things, like, constantly. Because if, yeah. it, if it doesn't, then it'll be, it will become obvious. There's one thing in particular that I'm thinking of, which I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But, and I was sort of noticing that, and I was like, you know what? I, I kind of feel here, paying attention to this, that this is only edited the way it is to conceal this, rather than because it's necessarily the correct, like... Short sequence that you would yeah. have otherwise, you know, like you know, if 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 Nolan was just directing the scene for the emotional content of the scene, it would probably mm-hmm. be edited and shot a little bit differently. But because we're hiding something the entire time, or we're we're trying to yeah. pull back on a certain thing, it feels a little bit different. And I was kind of noticing that, and I think if if I have maybe the one sort of little thing that I would say does generally make me like his other films more, it is a mm-hmm. pacing thing. Where this movie is jumping around so goddamn much that mm. I think I just don't like that as much as something because even Memento, which has obviously got a really weird structure by any typical movie standards, it's got a rhythm. It's very consistent. Like you get into right. this flow of it. This by nature, uh, I wouldn't say it does have that same kind of flow. It it does kind of dart around a little bit and you, sort of, you stick in certain parts of the timeline for long stretches, don't get me wrong, but then you'll mm-hmm. sort of pull back out and then there'll be another layer of pulling out on top of that and then it'll, you know.
1: Yeah, there's one one part in this movie that really stuck out to me and without spoiling too much, a new player, a new person is added to Hugh Jackman's act, like mm. about halfway through the movie. And it's critical to the plot that this character exists. It is necessary that this be here, but it it does feel like a full stop for, like, a full 15 minutes of the movie where we're just it's like a short focused movie. on this thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then we pick back up afterwards. And I, I agree, there are some pacing issues to it. But as you were saying before with holding back information, I think that's kind of intentional in that you, again, this whole movie is structured in the same sort of way that the magic tricks are. And the opening narration and stuff like that, the opening scenes basically define they say like yeah no the tricks are always just tricks they are about like there's some secret little thing that we know how to do behind the scenes but we can never tell the audience that and if that once they know it it's disappointing that's what the entire conceit of the movie is is that once you get everything explained to you you can't ever go back to that like oh wow what like how could this possibly be done sort of feeling again yeah but i think
0: this is going to sound even harsher than i want it to sound Mm. but when you know the trick and a magic trick it becomes kind of hollow and i think to some extent because it's relying so much on like mimicking that on some Mm. level i do feel a little bit compared to his other films i mean there's i feel a little bit more hollow with these characters than i do Say you know Guy Pierce from A Mentor.
1: Say you know Cobb from Inception or or, or whatever. No, know? I get that. I get um, that. I I think for me personally, on this reviewing, and I mean obviously this is like my fourth or fifth time watching this movie, but on this reviewing, I found myself a lot more. I don't want to say invested in the characters, but like I was because I knew where everything was going out. Hmm. I was just picking up on those tiny little hints that I otherwise would have missed. Like I I was picking up those breadcrumbs, as we said, and seeing like, oh, okay, that's going there. And it was a different type of investment where I was seeing, because I knew where everything ended up, does it all line up? Or is there anything that's like, like you were saying, a m- entire misdirect, like something that was purposely thrown in to throw off the trail entirely. But I don't feel like this movie ever really had those. I feel like any time they gave those hints, it was to directly lead you to this twist at the end
0: yeah i i do want to kind of like i I do appreciate the experimental nature of like trying to like commit to the magic trick like structure of this so much Mm -hmm. um and sort of playing with it as the movie goes on and doing it in a bigger scale as the movie goes on. And because it's not just, you know, it's a magic trick within a magic trick, within a magic trick, you know, kind of like, yeah. you know, a, within a dream, within a dream, within a dream. Like yeah, inception. I was gonna say, right. He finished filming this and he's like, wait a minute. Like I've got an idea. I appreciate the experimental nature of that, but I will say at the end of it, I don't necessarily think I like it as much as the other experimental things he's done. You know, when it comes to memento um, or inception, and to an extent to because tonight like i do think is weaker than those two movies that i just mentioned i think Tanette mm. does have some more flaws than those but i still like a lot like conceptual internet like quite a bit and i think yeah this one um feels <sighs> this one feels like i like nolan stepped out of like his own content for a bit I know Mm -hmm. that's weird to say because he was doing Batman, which is obviously not really his either. But (laughs) like, he stepped out of like doing like his career for a little bit and made something that was from someone else's voice, and I kind of felt that, I suppose, to an extent. Which isn't really, which isn't a critique necessarily. I'm just kind of Mm -hmm. trying to explain why it feels different to me.
1: Oh yeah, no, it definitely like as much as we were saying like. Uh, insomnia is the black sheep of the family or following is the black sheep of the family. I understand that this one, it still feels like he is Nolan. It still feels like Nolan is behind the camera. It still feels like his work, but it is lacking that grand conceptual design that all of those other films have where it feels like this movie is being told in this method specifically because it has to be. Like, it, it, the plot and the structure of the film are undeniably intertwined, whereas this one feels like, yeah, we could have told the story in a different way. It it didn't need to be told in this, like, multi-timelined way that we chose to do it, but I think it still works either way for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest reveals come at the end of the timeline anyway, so you could have, in mm-hmm. theory, done it in more or less just straightforward order that said i'm not saying it should have done that it is infinitely a more interesting film because it is playing oh, with yeah. the structure and it is doing these ideas um it, it's it's just it's an interesting one for me because like i've seen it kind of swell in like sort of cult popularity amongst film nerds you know since it mm. came out and like I, say, I see a lot of people say it's their favorite nolan movie and for whatever reason it's always just kind of like made me go Oh, huh, interesting. Just because like, I've always kind of felt like it is the least Nolan of his movies in a lot of ways, even, even to an extent versus Insomnia, which I do like a bit more than this one, which I think for most people, that's insane. I realize I am in the minority on that statement. <laughs> most people prefer Prestige to Insomnia. They absolutely do. Uh, right. But I connect with the character story in that more than I do this. I do think there's some interesting character dynamics by the time we get to the end of this but mm-hmm. it takes a long time to get to that point because like the characters are so shrouded in layers of yeah. mystery so you're kind of you're playing more with the mystery puzzle box of, of a movie for a long time before you're getting to kind of the, the brass tacks of who the characters really are
1: Yeah down. there's this there's a strange thing throughout the movie where I I mean obviously it is a shared protagonist or a shared main character role between Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman but I think the movie begins by having you lean more heavily on Hugh Jackman's character. And then as the movie progresses, and that's honestly, I think that's the biggest thing, is that on a rewatch, I think that Christian Bale, when you know, like, after all the character's twists and stuff like that, Christian Bale's character is the one that, like, takes more center stage because you're giving him more attention throughout the movie, whereas Hugh Jackman is kind of the first ride-along character just on that first go-through, because he is more of an open book than Bale's character.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Uh, But honestly, we can't
0: really talk about a lot of this without just going straight into spoilers. So I think this is probably a time. uh, So if you're dipping out or you're sticking with us and enjoying the show, um, go and Mm -hmm. just, you know, massage that like button. Just sort of caress (laughs) it, you know, curve it. Prestige the like button. You know, maybe cup it a little bit. And then when the timing is right,
1: just slowly slide it in. Are we going to get put on the, like some YouTube list <laughs> for this? Or... Oh dear. Is, um, some, is some employee at Google going to be like, sir, he's sexualizing the like button.
0: I wouldn't have it any other way. So this is a <laughs> spoiler section now for the prestige. You have mm-hmm. been warned. Um, I actually distinctly remember realizing and I'm running spoilers here. I'm I'm am I'm double downing on that warning because I'm about to say something. Okay. Yep. Seriously, we are <laughs> we are going to
1: ruin this movie for you.
0: I remember noticing in my first reviewing of this at a certain point who was playing Fallon. Like it, it, uh, i it I recognized who it was at a certain point. Okay. And that definitely changed things up. And I, I remember showing it to other people. And I remember one other person noticing as well and sort of saying, wait, I think that's, you know. And sure enough, mm. that, that plays into the big t- twist with uh, with Christian Bale's character at the end.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I noticed. Not At least not on the first go around, but at the same time, it's intentional because Fallon is like, Fallon's a weird case where he is a quote-unquote main character. He is named, he is around for the entirety of the story, and yet you're never really given a good look at him the whole that, way through
0: honestly that was what i was talking about earlier where the direction almost feels incorrect obviously i understand why these choices are being made but mm-hmm. see if you're looking for it knowing that it's christian bale and makeup the entire time you'll yeah. notice that they always like you see him for a second and then the camera will cut back to the other christian mm-hmm. bale and they will not give you it they're not going to give you a chance to focus on it. it's not until just just before they're going to start revealing it will they give you a little bit more of a chance you know yeah, uh, and it, this
1: was, his first line is spoken maybe five minutes before the end of the movie.
0: Absolutely, uh, and they kind of spell it out. Like I, I, think most people probably get it with the bouncing the ball at him because they set that up <laughs> earlier. You know, when he's doing the trick where he, you know, teleports. Yeah. Um. It's like, I think for a lot of people, that's when it clicks, and then the actual explanation of no, there's two of them. Like the whole time there was there were twin brothers the entire time. Yeah. That was a trick, and it's seeded throughout the whole movie. You know, there's that bit early on in their career. Near the start where Michael Caine sends him to like this Chinese magician is like, Hey, if any of you can tell me how he does that fishbowl trick, you know, like you'll, you'll get a raise mm-hmm. or something like that. And they're watching this old man who's struggling to walk and he somehow makes a, a fishbowl with you know, filled with water and a fish appear, you know, from under his legs. And it's, it's Christian Bale's character who says, This struggling to walk is an act, this is something yeah. he puts on him. all the time. Him outside the theater is the act still. Yeah. Um, And that right there is telling you this is is his life. He, like, the entire Mm -hmm. life is an act. So that at some point, he can do this trick where no one knows there's two of them. Um, Mm -hmm. And they maintain... And I think one of the things that's the most fun about this movie is the fact that when you get to the end, everything that was said or shown at the start applies to everything that was happening at the end. Um, Right. So... Michael Caine, when when, when Christian Bale starts doing his trick where he seems to be teleporting across the stage and coming out the other door, Michael Caine's like, it's a double. There's two of them. And he's right. I mean, obviously he never said
1: brother, but he was right. Yeah, he says it's a brother. But then immediately afterwards, I think it's Scarlett Johansson's character chimes. I was like, no, it's the same guy. They were like, he... He went in with a finger injury and he came out with a finger injury. And it's Wait. like, well, that's true too.
0: Yes, but the show is later on how that <laughs> came to yep. be. He
1: uh, cuts off his fingers of his brother so they have matching just hands. To, just to maintain, which I did read a trivia bit and I read it after the movie was done. Um, I I want to go back and check it again to see if it's true. But apparently one of the brothers has a... You know, Jason Momoa style eyebrow scar mm. where it's just like hairless and the other one doesn't. And I I noticed the scar every once in a while, but I didn't notice if it was consistent. So I'm wondering if that is actually a difference to be able to tell interesting, between interesting.
0: the two. Yeah, and the setup, um well the other thing relates to the the, the trick that obviously Hugh Jackman's doing, which is, yeah. you know, it's, it's literally the the killing the bird in the cage, and then there's a duplicate who's, like, the one who's supposedly been brought back, right? That's effectively mm-hmm. exactly what he's doing at the end. He's killing clones of himself, and, yep. or is he killing himself and the clones continuing? That's a big question that we can talk about later. That, but... that was the first <laughs> point where I feel like
1: Nolan was like, wait a minute, guys, guys, I can make an entire career out of metaphysics. <laughs> Just give me a minute. So...
0: Yeah, like, I think all the stuff with Christian Bale's character is definitely the most interesting part of the movie to me. uh uh-huh. um, yeah. Because, like, and there's a lot on-the-nose hints, especially when you're watching it second viewing, where he's, like, you know, because like one of them falls in love with Rebecca Hall, and that becomes mm-hmm. the wife, and the other one falls in love with Scarlett Johansson. Which, by the way, I will say Scarlett Johansson's character feels, like, the most shortchanged in the movie to me, where she doesn't really have that much like she has a she has a reasonable amount of screen time and she has a purpose mm. to an extent but i i felt like her relationship with hugh jackman first and then christian bale just kind of felt a little bit light i guess i don't know i get
1: my problem i had with it is that barring hugh jackman's first wife the one who is unceremoniously killed at the beginning of this movie i i never really got a feeling that any of them cared about any of the like, romantic leads. It always just felt like, no, magic first, which may be intentional, but it also is something that I've noticed in a couple of Nolan films where the romance isn't exactly the biggest focus.
0: I think I'll disagree with that slightly. I I definitely agree with that with Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson, right? Mm -hmm. But I will say, because I think the whole point with the Christian Bale characters is that one of them falls in love with one woman, the other falls in love with the other. So a lot of the time when it's the other one who's with the wife and he's right and he's saying no like he he tries to say i love you and she's like you know some days you mean it and today's Mm -hmm. not one of those days and it you know that's one of the hints that it's two different people who are swapping and like one of them's married and has a kid the other one falls in love with scarlett johansson um and i think one of the interesting ideas actually watching it back when you already know where it's going is this idea of just how much like mental torture
1: this is doing to the like rebecca hall's character oh yeah no that's that's one of the ending lines in the movie is he says, like, yeah, me and my brother, we each lived half a life and that was enough for us, but it wasn't enough for them. Yeah, that completely
0: makes sense. And her, her ultimate demise of killing herself actually made complete sense to me. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. this would feel like torture where one day... Your husband seemingly is madly in love with you, seems to be genuinely caring about you, and then the other day he doesn't give a shit. And also it looks like he's cheating on you, which mm-hmm. he isn't really.
1: <laughs> but it looks like that. I, I guess if I, my my one question is if I was in that situation and like it came down to okay, I'm having serious marital problems and like we we need to be able to sort this out. Maybe just have the one who loves her stay in the Christian Bale slot for, like, two weeks entirely, rather than switching out after every show. I feel like that would be the obvious solution there for at least a band-aid. I think, yeah, there is one moment in this movie where it feels like
0: they're both with the wrong woman. And they're mm-hmm. making excuses, and I'm like, why didn't you just stay swapped? And, like, yeah, <laughs> like... But I guess part of their whole rules and logic is, is that one of them always has to be Fallon. Like, there always has to be a mm-hmm. Fallon who exists, like, the entire time. And the, oh, yeah. and the only time he doesn't is literally on stage when they're about to pull the, the switcheroo. Well,
1: if, if we go back to Hugh Jackman's line, in that he actually, for trying to imitate the trick, he hires a body double, and... Mm-hmm the entire reason that everything went wrong with Hugh Jackman's trick is because uh Borden, Christian Bale's character found out and he was able to exploit that. And that's why I think they make it so that like no, you're never not allowed to be in co- there can never be two of us running around. Yeah. Cuz if anyone ever caught the other one, it would just be chaos.
0: Yeah, if anyone ever saw, yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I do appreciate that like side of it where it's like cuz I think Christian Bale's characters, uh, really, uh, yeah. like, I think I feel like they feel quite unsympathetic early on, but I do think it's important that by the end of the movie, obviously, he has the well, one of them, anyway, has the happier ending, right? Because Michael Cade mm. even helps him get his daughter back from the evil, now Hugh Jackman, who is basically like, fake, well, it's not really fake at his death, but you know what I mean. I was going to say, uh, yeah. it's
1: too... It's trying to <laughs> explain it without everything else behind it. It's like, look, just clones. There okay. you go. That's all you but, need. But the,
0: the point is, is that he's basically taking uh, Christian Bale's daughter out of spite, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, he still wants revenge. Because he blames... Christian Bale for the murder of his wife or the death of his wife because as we see mm-hmm. early on, they were working for another magician and they were the plants in the audience who came up and tied her up. She was the assistant and they'd like t- he'd tie the hands, he jump- would tie her feet and she'd get dunked in the tank and she was an escape artist effectively and there was tricks to her yeah. getting out of the ropes, getting out of the tank. Which oh, no, 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 No,
1: no, no, no. I just, real quick, tiny thing. I feel like that's more impressive for her than the magician on stage. Like she sure, sure, just sure, walked sure. around it. like taps and boxes. Yeah, how
0: way I get to the, the, the this? So yeah, Go ahead. he basically Christian Bale wants to do a different type of knot, and Michael Caine's like, no, 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 that's a dangerous knot. Don't do it. But I think it's really important here that when he does do this other knot that eventually basically leads to her death, she mm-hmm. clearly is agreeing and wants him to do it. She gives him a look. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I get that Hugh Jackman would be pissed at him. Like, we know as the audience that this was her choice and that she was saying, no, do it, right? And it obviously leads to, you know, tragedy. Mm -hmm. It leads to her death. Um, But he obviously always holds that grudge. So I think when you get to the end, even though Christian Bale's two characters obviously do some shady things here or there, like they definitely do some bad stuff over the course of the movie. When you get to the end and Hugh Jackman is like Letty's revenge, because that's one of the big themes of the movie is obsession and revenge um Mm. i think at the end of the movie when you get to the point where he's trying to take christian bale's kid and as far as he knows killing the one and only christian bale by having him hang for his own murder even though he's at least one of them's not dead (laughs) because he's like around (laughs) um like it's all very like vicious it's all very mean so when when the surviving christian bale shows up and shoots him at the very end i think you're kind of on his side by that point and you feel like he, he he is a Hugh Jackman as a character went too far and effectively lost his humanity and literally in a sense was willing to just kill his humanity by killing himself over and over again for
1: his art, you know, for his yeah. his tricks. Well, I I agree on the rewatch. I agree once you know everything that's coming. But like I was saying before, I think that on your first view-through, because we are Hugh Jackman's storyline is so much more open. You're seeing everything he's going through and you're very much aware of Here's how he's doing this step and this step and this step. Whereas Christian Bale, his plot is very closed off and secretive because you can never know up until that final twist that he has a brother. So I think on the first watch, by the time you hit that ending, yes, it feels like he's gone too far. But I still think as an audience, because you've spent the entirety of the film only with him and like relating to him, you still don't see Christian Bale as like, the positive in that or the person who is like deserving to come out on top there you see both of them as negative it's only on the rewatch that you understand just how much christian bale's character went through just how much like he never intended to like like the whole time we first watched through assume that he is just gaslighting his wife and cheating on her and like just a horrible person. But it's only on that rewatch that you realize, like, no, he loved her genuinely. I I, I have
0: to disagree with this, because even on the first viewing, I think the ending makes it clear that Christian Bale, at least at the end, is the more sympathetic one. Like, when he gets his daughter back and uh, Michael Caine gives him the nod, that moment Hmm. plays, like, you expect the audience to know that he's the, the better of the two at this point, and he deserves at least to get his daughter back, right? Yeah. And I think that... Well, you're right. A lot of the movie on the first watch, it does look like he's been horrible to his wife. I do think when the reveal comes, you kind of realize, they make it clear, he says one of his loved one, one of his loved the other. And yeah, mm-hmm. obviously it's more specific and you can think, like you're watching the specific moments play out as you're watching the movie in the second time. You can see right. how those individual moments are actually tracking and you can see how Christian Bale's concern for his brother at certain points, um, mm-hmm. you know, when he's in danger. And you can sort of, There's a bit more of a heart to it because of that. But I do think even on the first viewing, all of the stuff that's revealed at the end makes it very clear that, no, he is the more sympathetic one. By the time the, the, the twists are revealed.
1: Right, no, logically, I agree. I think that you are able to sit there and say like, oh, okay, I understand everything that happened. I'm more so talking on that deeper emotional level where it's hard to, once you're told the information, it's hard to go back and readjust how you feel about Christian Bale's character Having spent two hours of watching him be just this horrible person, it's only on the rewatch where you're able to come in fresh to his character that you can give it that new emotional slate and be like, oh, okay, I see why he is acting this way because it's not actually the same one. I think that you're able to come out. of so when you hit that final scene, you're in a different emotional spot with the character and it hits a bit. Better and you see like no he really did deserve to have his
0: kid it does hit a bit differently on a second view I'm not denying that but I'm Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that I do think it's very clear at the end of that first viewing that he is the sympathetic one of the two and I think Mm -hmm. it does a smart thing as well where at the start of the movie it feels like Hugh Jackman's in this like healthy relationship with his wife right and then obviously he's Mm -hmm. angry at Christian Bale when she dies but it seemed like he had a life before then. And then it goes on to show you Christian Bale meeting his new girlfriend, Rebecca Hall, and sort of like that relationship blossoms. And it seems quite healthy at face value until obviously some elements later on start to feel a bit weird. And yeah. then obviously there's an explanation for that by the time we get to the end. But I, I think it you know, I think it sets up that Hugh Jackman is the healthy husband at the start. And then you're sort of almost like cut off guard when you realize how far he's willing to go. And there's a great line actually that I didn't remember. I know it's one
1: you're about to say. Yeah. Uh, there's
0: a great line in the middle that I'd forgotten about uh where he's talking to scarlett johansson and um she's giving him the diary which is actually what he's reading from and his like half of the narration stuff mm-hmm. for a lot of the movie is she says oh i mean you know his secret you know you know, what would, you know she says something like, what would your wife think or, or whatever
1: she says it's not going to bring your
0: wife back." yeah that, that's what it was and he says i don't care about my wife i only care about his secret and mm-hmm. there's like a moment there where he even realizes how awful what he just said was and he just kind of brushes past it because he can't really process it and he just sort of goes yeah. on but that's kind of like his like tragedy arc of the movie is that he becomes solely about obsession he becomes solely about yeah you know doing what he can and there's a great thing that when they're faking the the teleporting with the body double where you can tell immediately that he is seeding that he's not up on stage taking the bow that he's down below mm-hmm. hiding and bowing
1: to no one well they specifically they they pop the champagne in the scene immediately afterwards and the very first thing out of Hugh Jackman's mouth is how do we get me to be the one up on stage (laughs) like yeah 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 the trick's fine great cool glad it worked but
0: which is actually one of the things that i like about the ending reveal with Christian Bale is that he specifically says because because Hugh Jackman actually says as he's dying there with the gunshot wound, he's like well which one of you is like taking the bows on stage and Bale says he took turns and yeah. immediately despite how effed up the whole swapping and not telling their loved ones that there's two of them mm-hmm. which feels like that would have solved a lot of the things and, yeah. all, and clearly he's still too committed to the whole the act all the time thing that's mm-hmm. still unhealthy don't get me wrong the fact that they shared it equally and it was this genuine 50 50 where they took turns taking the glory actually made them made them come across a lot more sweet in a weird way because it wasn't about hogging it from each other it was like no no we're in this equally and we will share this completely and neither one of us gets more out of it than the other one i it
1: made me kind of wish that this reveal was slightly earlier just so we could have like a few scenes of them talking to each other in like dialogue because i want to see how they interact where one of them isn't forced to stay completely silent yeah
0: there's definitely some scenes where especially when christian bale the one who dies you know i'll say Mm -hmm. the easiest way to differentiate them is there's the one with the wife and there's the one that's not got the wife the one that's Scarlett johansson so one with wife one with mistress i guess but the one who's going to die the mistress one is in prison and he's talking to fallon and the way he's talking to him, like, like, it makes way more sense when you know they've are like they're they've been swapping and they're sharing the same thing. He's, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. you can live now for both of us. Look after her. Um, you know, you know, like, all the lines that come out of his mouth all, like, take on a very specific meaning. Like, clearly, these are all about, hey, you get to be me all the time now. Like, you're just completely one person who is whole. And... Mm-hmm like you know so that makes a lot of sense based on once you know where it's going uh but it it does come across a lot i don't want to say healthy because there is the unhealthy part about lying to everyone else still which does obviously it leads to a person's suicide so it's not like they come out of this squeaky clean there's definitely a point in this movie where i'm like would it be so bad if just your wife new
1: yeah well i think i think what this movie does is that it shows the characters basically swap places where we introduce hugh jackman's character he's married and yeah he's in the whole magic thing but he's always kind of like you know it's fun i'm having a fun time with it it's just a job sort of thing whereas immediately christian bale's character is all in he's like no he's at this point he's already doing the act he's already one of them is Fallon and the other one is him and they're swapping places so he's already full in the act but then over the course of the movie Hugh Jackman loses everything to this obsession of becoming the better magician of figuring out how Borden does the act but then Borden is he really only ever does the one trick he's like no I've I planned out everything to know how to do the transported man and then he never refines it he never like changes it up or anything like that. It's always just, yeah, that was my thing. I did it, I succeeded, and I managed to get married and have a kid. And they just essentially swap places over the course of the movie. The only problem being is that Hugh Jackman's obsession tears down the life that Christian Bale built up. And so he still has to get his comeuppance for that.
0: It's a bit more complex than that, because I do think that the being two of them also kind of tears down a bit of the life as oh, well, well yeah right yeah um and I, I i'll say also he does check it up a little bit when scarlett johansson jumps ship and gets involved mm-hmm. with one of them um she kind of like influences the showmanship because you know like when we see his act later on when it's a bigger production he does have like a tesla coil which ties into the whole like rouge that this is tesla based uh, yeah. to trick uh hugh jackman so it does it does get more fantastical but they, I mean obviously the ultimate trick's still the same he's still doing the same thing um he's still just you know one of them's going in one door and the other one's coming out the other door and it's really you know that mm. simple um but it becomes this like back and forth where because Hugh Jackman stole the trick and he's doing it better um and I think one of the things you notice especially on a second viewing is that it's only one of the Christian bales who goes out of their way to try and find out how this new version with the yeah. with the you know seemingly actual magic is happening mm-hmm. um and that's the one that ultimately gets arrested because it looks like he killed him when the huge Jackman is in the tank so that character like because there's a scene where the other one's saying i think we're just done i think he's doing better now but you know what we've we've done what we can out of this like it's time to move on and just live lives and and whatever like he's basically saying it's time to wrap up but the one mm-hmm. who's fallen in that scene Is the one who's ultimately going to go because he can't live with it. So it does present this idea that one of the Christian Bales is more obsessed than the other one, or at the very least is more competitive than the
1: other one. Yeah, and that's that's what I think. The one who fell in love with Sarah, who like had the wife, he's the one who survived. I think
0: correct. No, definitely. There's not even yeah. There's no no ambiguity.
1: Sorry, I was I couldn't remember which one in the ending. Um, but yeah, so the one who, you know, found something else in life, the one who managed to fall in love and like I yes, we say that the other one has fallen in love with Scarlett Johansson's character, but it's always an affair. It's always this thing that can never be fully reconciled. And we even see a point post the wife's death where the one who loves Scarlett Johansson is talking to her and saying, like, look, my wife doesn't matter anymore. I love you, I want to be with you. And because of Scarlett Johansson not knowing the trick, she's like, "That's inhuman of you—the fact that you don't <laughs> yeah. care about your dead wife." And so he loses her because of this as well.
0: You you almost want a scene of, of them reacting to finding out, where like you know both Christian Bale's walk in at the same time, and they just look at each other like, "Ah," and then probably get yeah. angry and slap them, uh, or maybe something else. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's. Uh, Something I was thinking about as I was watching it actually is that I don't think they ever specifically say. Although I would suspect the one who is more obsessed is the one, just because it makes more sense. But mm. which Christian Bale is the one that tied the knot that led to the death of Hugh Jackman's wife? Mm. Because it would make
1: more sense that it's the one who's more obsessed that did that. You would think. Okay, so based off of based off of that, if I if I play it back, so yeah. he. Throughout the movie, like, Borden comes and gives his condolences and says, I really don't know which knot I tied. And we can assume that that is the other brother. That one was also on stage and was the first one to get his fingers cut. Like, he was the first one to get his fingers blown off when Hugh Jackman shows up with the bullet catch. How how do we know that? Because... Hugh Jackman says, which knot did you tie? And he says again, I don't know. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. I, I see the logic, okay, yeah. Okay, so that's still the same one. Then the other one has to get his fingers cut off. Yes. And we see the scene where he gets super pissed off at Sarah when she pulls off the bandage and says, like, it's just as bad as it was the first day, which implies that that's the one that doesn't love Sarah. So the one who doesn't love Sarah is the one who got his fingers cut off. Second, meaning that he's the one who fell in love with Scarlett Johansson. So the one who tied the knot was the one who was in love with Scarlett Johansson, which is also the which one who ended what, up going to jail. Which is which what is I said. The one who, uh,
0: yeah. yeah, okay, you've confirmed that. Okay, Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yes, the one who is more obsessed with him as a competitor, the one who mm-hmm. is determined to find out how he's doing it, is the one who accidentally killed his wife um yep. so which is interesting if you look at it from perspective that each of the christian bales represents a different side of hugh jackman's character and mm-hmm. the it's not so much that they flip over the course of the movie it's just that hugh jackman shifts from one of them to the other right and yeah so um with the death of that that side of him that half of him that christian bale who is the more obsessed one uh mm-hmm. who literally says abacadabra as he's being uh, hanged um yeah you know, that just leaves the healthier one. I mean, the healthier one does come for revenge, but at that point, his brother's been taken from him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) So like, because I mean, that's still the thing is that his whole thing, his entire show was based off of this transported man. We saw that the rest of his show really wasn't all that impressive, all things considered. Yes, eventually he got some showmanship, but in the end, everyone had already seen all the tricks he was doing. So the transported man was the only thing that gave him that extra edge. And now that his brother's dead, he can't do that
0: anymore. Yeah, That's I, gone. I, I think that, yeah, obviously you've got that, but I think more importantly than that though, Hugh Jackman intentionally did this. He intentionally mm-hmm. let his brother go to like, be hanged, even though he okay. could prove that he's still alive and get him off the hook. He intentionally did that. He's intentionally taking his daughter as like a trophy effectively in a really yeah. inhumane way, right? But if you go back to the start of the movie, the wife wanted that not as stupid as Mm -hmm. it's decision that may have been that was her consent to give and she gave it and you know so i like when you ultimately get to this end like his revenge on hugh jackman feels way more justified because hugh jackman did a lot of stuff intentionally um Mm -hmm. and is sort of escalated as as time has went on and not only that but this point in the movie we know that hugh jackman is literally killing himself yeah like so all of his humanity is out the window like (laughs) yeah
1: i really want i wondered why i don't see so many things breaking down hugh jackman's character here it's probably just because throughout the movie he is still hugh jackman he is still like very poised and proper and like likable but he is a complete and total sociopath
0: and no one ever really talks
1: about that yeah
0: well that's the thing they talk about how like you have to like be able to you know be okay with killing a dove right <laughs> to like, yeah. be a magician you have to be willing to
1: crack a few eggs if you will mm-hmm. um, which it is important to note that uh, like about a third in this movie hugh jackman specifically says no more dead birds he, he's like no i don't want any more i don't want to kill yeah. these doves and they have to find a way around that but then he just backslides immediately
0: uh, well i mean it's not immediately he's, he's faced with the the situation like he right you know he, he goes on this quest to find tesla because tesla he, he believes that tesla gave Christian bails something for each trick. Obviously, he didn't Mm -hmm. because it's you know it's simple. It's just twins. But he goes looking for Tesla. He runs into Andy Serkis, who works for Tesla, and then like he begs him for a device. And Tesla comes up with something which at first looks like it doesn't work because he turns on the big sparks happen, the big electricity Mm -hmm. you know thing happens, and the top hat just stays there. And it's like Mm -hmm. okay, but if you remember the opening shot of the movie. Is yeah, literally the very first shot. is the very first shot is just all these top hats in the forest, and then at the end, you know, well not at the end, but like later on when he discovers that what's happening here, it's not that it's it's not failing per se, but instead of like teleporting the top hat, it's cloning the top hat, and this, the duplicate is landing
1: like you know, th- or the original is landing oh, 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 over on there. We'll, we'll,
0: we'll get into the philosophy in a second here. Let me yeah. just break down the simplicity part yeah, okay. first. All right, right? All right. so about yeah the bit i was getting at is that it's it's duplicating it about i don't know like 30 40 feet away something like that it's a very mm. specific distance that it's it's
1: well the way the scene was implied they said anti Service was like oh i never bothered to check the calibration so it made me think that you could change oh you, the yeah, you probably
0: can but what i'm saying is yeah. here it was specifically this because it was this, they were landing in the same place every time like you know yeah exactly every time um eventually it's obviously doing it to a cat where the the cat actually makes a noise and runs and starts fighting with the original cat Mm -hmm. and whatever so basically it it gives us some of this right we see that he's using blind men to like set up Mm -hmm. his stage and stuff like that so that no one knows what's really happening but when you get to the end and it eventually shows you what happened when he first tested it on himself is that yeah a duplicate hugh jackman appeared and yelled wait i'm the and before he finishes his sentence, the one who's still standing there shoots the other one that appeared, you know, a distance mm-hmm. away. And of course, the question comes up and Hugh Jackman even says that you have no idea how terrifying it was. Every time I stepped out of that machine, if I was going to be the one getting into the water below and drowning, or if I was the one who was going to be like taking the bow up in the, the back of the, the yep. stage or the back of the, you know, the auditorium and and i mean from a philosophy sense he's both well that's honestly how i read it is i think both the one who's standing there and the one who appears both feel that they're the the right they both feel that they're the original right but i think on a pure logic sense surely the one who's still standing there is the original meaning the one that's going to the water i would say is technically the original and the one who appears elsewhere is the duplicate
1: I mean, you would assume so just because of, like, on a scientific basis of, like, matter creation yeah. and stuff like that. Yes, that would make the most sense, but technically that machine doesn't exist, so, like, you could say that it's a teleporter slash cloner rather than a... That
0: feels super, like... Teleport the clone. That, that, no, it doesn't that, 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 fe- no, that feels like True Jack. I mean, try to convince himself of that so he doesn't have to feel guilty about all the, like, originals of
1: himself that he's killed. I mean... Yes, but at the same time, from Hugh Jackman's perspective, say he did, like, eight shows. He had an r- original consciousness. Well, he did a hundred, to be fair but yeah. I don't think he made it to the end of the hundred, though, because the way they were talking about it, oh, it sounded sure, yeah, like yeah, he interrupted it. But, well, but, from the ending
0: shot, though, it looks like he did at least, like, 30 or 40.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. So <laughs> let's say he did, say he did, like, 30. That means that this one Hugh Jackman, his consciousness, the one that made it all the way to the end... Had to run that 50-50 chance every night that he was, like, this version of him was going to make it. And he did that 30 times. Can you imagine flipping a coin 30 times and having it, like, come up on heads every time or else you die? Yeah. Like, that's a horrifying... Like, he said it took courage to get in there. I think it did. Yeah, but it's
0: confirmation bias, though, because... The one that survives because he still like thinks he is the original because he has the same memories and whatever mm-hmm. is you know th- there's no difference in that sense. Uh, although you could argue that every time he does it, he's losing his humanity, and that's why he's such a sociopath by the end.
1: So that's the thing I actually wanted to bring up. Um, I know that this movie, whatever changes are made from the book, it's those changes. We're not dealing with the original book, but in the original book, there wasn't a cloning thing. What happened was. The original body was there and a new body was created elsewhere, like 30, 40 feet away, but the soul fully transferred over so that the original body that was left was just a husk with nothing left in it. And the end reveal, the big thing that uh, Borden did Mm. to mess up the trick was he interrupted the transfer process halfway through so that the original body was this frail, sickly, sort of half-alive being, and part of Hugh Jackman's soul was just floating around as a wraith that could barely be made solid. Okay, I'm just going to say it
0: right now, these were all good changes. (laughs) They were good changes. (laughs) This all
1: sounds like shit. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of removes the entire point of it in
0: I feel like the, the question of which one is real, and to be honest, I come down to what you said to begin with, which is, they're, they both equally think they're the right one. And if mm-hmm. anything, the one who's appearing further away, it makes more sense that that's the duplicate technically. Um, and this one that it keeps surviving, although technically is a different one each time, is, is a confirmation bias of like, well, I survived and I remember those things, so clearly I'm the original one. But that's not right. really true because there's another version who fell into the, the water, also felt like he was the original one and he died yeah. the same way that his wife died over and over again. Um, which obviously that's like a whole extra weird like dramatic oh, yeah. like through line to i don't know that's just that he's dying the same way his wife did every time which i
1: do i do wonder obviously he has already divorced himself from the idea of his wife he's his obsession has pushed him far past that but i wonder he specifically says this is a hundred shows and stuff like that and it sounds like at the beginning he picked a hundred shows specifically to taunt borden into showing up Like he's Mm. like, I'm like if I did this infinitely, yeah, you might not ever show up because or I would never know when you were gonna show up. But with a hundred shows, he was like, I know you're gonna show up sooner rather than later. I know you're eventually gonna get here, and then I'm going to spring my trap. And I don't think we ever really covered that. The inciting incident of this movie, the very first thing that we see more or less, is that the body falls through into this water tank and it locks shut in the same way that his wife died. And Borden essentially is framed for his murder because the lock is not a trick padlock that the escape artists would usually use it was a real one and they thought that Borden killed him so yeah and all, cl- all, all,
0: but all, obviously yeah. he, they frame it as if he, like Christian Bale must have changed the lock to kill him but in actual right. fact Hugh Jackman is wanting to kill the original or the clone depending on yeah. your perspective every single time so it's always mm-hmm. going to look that way uh, so
1: I the big thing though is that it's always been a thing where Hugh Jackman then shows up in the balcony after like 10 seconds. He's just like, "Here I am, I'm alive." But this night when Borden was there to basically get caught, he didn't. Yeah. He just didn't show up.
0: Yeah, effectively faking his death, although it's a it's a death faking where there's a body to go to the morgue, so you know, it's very yeah. convincing. Um, it is interesting, though, that uh, Michael Caine clearly suspects to a certain extent by the end exactly what's happening because he mm. specifically points out to Hugh Jackman, um, especially once he realises he's, he's alive when he finds out this this. Because we've not even mentioned this, but like you know, when, when he's taken like Christian Bale's daughter, he's doing it mm. under a pseudonym. He's, he's like this rich benefactor now, and then we eventually, Lord yeah, we eventually see him, and it's just Hugh Jackman. But when Michael Caine meets him and sees that he's still alive. He specifically goes out of his way to say, "Hey, by the way, like you know that sailor who once told me what's uh, drowning was like. I sure quoted yep. it because your wife died that way." He actually said it was agony and it was a horrible death and yep. just and it was this thing where it's basically, I mean, just to kind of sum up what this is doing, right? Because we've not really said this shit is that mm-hmm. what this is doing? This whole idea that Hugh Jackman is cloning himself and letting one one of the two versions of himself die. It's making something, you know, a lot of like movies, stories, science fiction, especially it will take something and make it literal. And what this mm-hmm. effectively is, is that he is basically killing a part of himself for his art every single time, but he's doing it yep. literally. And people always talk about this with artists, like oh, they give up their, their lives for the pursuit of the their sacrifice. art. Yeah. The sacrifices. Over and yeah. over. Yeah. This is literally doing it where he's taking away his own humanity every single time mm-hmm. he does it. Um, and that's what makes it, a, a, you know, a good metaphor, effectively, a, a, you know, as a as a writing device. Yeah. So, you know, that stuff's solid. But it's interesting that he's, you know, making himself less human as he goes by doing that. Whereas Christian Bale's characters, once you realize that it's two different people, they feel more human as a result because you realize mm. that they've been splitting everything 50-50 and, you know...
1: Yeah, I think when it comes to it, like, it doesn't even need to be the metaphysical aspect of like, oh, he's like splitting his soul or he's doing whatever like that. I think it's more so just throughout everything that Hugh Jackman has done over the course of this movie, he's just desensitized himself to death in general. He he basically sees it as a non-factor now. He doesn't really care about it. Whereas yeah, actually, the entire on that
0: subject, yeah, there's a hmm? wild part. which is probably the one thing in the movie that stuck out to, is like a weird shift to me. But at one okay. point, him and Michael Caine, and Michael Caine helps him with this. They lure, oh, yeah. they lure Fallon into a trap where he falls into a coffin and they nail him into it and then bury him alive. And mm-hmm. on this rewatch, that still feels a bit weird to me. Like
1: that still feels like an absurd jump, especially for Michael Caine to be involved in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the only thing that is kind of you know worth, I can see them being justified is the fact that this happens immediately after he sabotages the body double that Hugh Jackman has been using. And so maybe that, you know, I'm sure it completely killed their show more or less. The fact that this random magician just showed up halfway through, because to explain to the audience, um, they had this entire thing set up where Hugh Jackman would go under the stage and then his body double would lift up. Yeah. And then Christian Bale discovered the body double. And then one night he bounds and gags the body double and takes his place. So that way, when Hugh falls through the floor, Christian Bale comes up on the other side and he's like, oh, I guess there's too much magic at my stage across the street. Come on Uh, down, everybody. He he
0: basically does like a little stand-up comedy bit almost to make fun of him. Um, Yeah. And this is after as well. He also suggests to the body double, which by the way, they rely on you so much for their show right now that you've got a lot of power. You could like ask for more money
1: because they can't afford to let you walk. So Mm -hmm. maybe you should do that. Which I I just want to point out that conversation on its own, because Christian Bale, like, obviously, he found the body double, a guy named Root, and he's telling him all this stuff. But Christian Bale directly says to him, like, hey, I had a similar act, and I also used a body double. And on the first watch through, you're thinking, like, oh, okay, he just knows that it's a body double, and he's saying whatever. But, like, nah, he's telling the truth, man. He's telling you exactly how he does his trick, and he just... Says it in front of the whole audience, and they just are of like, "Oh, that's silly, Christian Bale and his lies." Yeah. Um, so what
0: were, we t- what were we getting at before that? We we're talking about uh,
1: right. The, the, so yeah, him
0: becoming more like okay with death. This the movie, yeah.
1: But then you go to Christian Bale's side of things, and the fact that his brother dies, the fact that that one death, a single death, just stops everything, and it's him trying desperately to get out of just that one death from happening. So I really do feel like it is this... Not, It's not a change of character, but it's just showing how these two started off similarly, kind of crossed over at a certain point, but then went in wildly different directions, especially regarding how they view human life, more or less.
0: Yeah, I like, but they're very different in that Christian Bale characters obviously they're super committed like to a fault and that Mm -hmm. uh, that ripples in a sort of more natural way to the people who are in their lives where it affects them negatively and ultimately you know leads to tragedy in one of their cases whereas Hugh Jackman as the movie goes on and he becomes more and more obsessed like he just completely leaves Like humanity behind which is why Mm -hmm. at the end the Christian Bale characters are more sympathetic especially the one who survives and like comes back for his kid and it's a nice moment when it's like you know because if you realize that Michael Caine explaining the rules at the start he was explaining it to his daughter and when Mm -hmm. you see her again at the end you're like oh wait yeah this is how it started like he's looking after Christian Bale's daughter and then it's like oh he was doing that as a favor He, he as soon as Michael Caine realized that Hugh Jackman was the rich guy taking the daughter and realizing like how nefarious what he was doing was he clearly stepped in. He clearly got into cahoots with with Christian yeah. Bale to say, hey, I'll help you get your daughter back. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I mean, did he, though? What do you mean, did he, though?
1: I don't think Michael Caine really got into cahoots with Christian Bale's character. I don't think that was really a thing that happened. Well, cahoots in the sense
0: that he was looking after his daughter so that when he came back after dealing with Hugh Jackman, he was like, hey, here's your
1: dad. The way that... Well, there was one little interstitial there where Michael Caine leaves the grounds. He like uh goes away and he waves at the daughter and just like hey whatever it led me to believe that it was just kind of like a babysitting gig and then he you know christian bale's character showed up one day instead of hugh jackman he's just like oh all right oh no
0: not no 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 no. Uh, michael Caine's reaction when he walks in he was expecting he was keeping the hold of her for him like there's not not a doubt in my mind yeah that's yeah, I don't think Hugh Jackman will like be here. Michael Caine babysit, or you know, <laughs> like I—that's fair. I, I, mean, I think this was all sort of planned out, uh, and you know, and that's probably why uh, Christian Bale knew where to find Hugh Jackman's like you know storage place where all the uh, tanks were because Michael Caine probably told him.
1: That's fair. I guess they never really did explain how he. Yeah. Got to that point. All yeah, right, that right makes enough. sense to me.
0: No, no I, I think at the end, like he, he helped get his
1: daughter back for him. I think that was kind of the, the point of that. Um, I mean, it's very obvious. I mean, Michael Caine basically spells it out. He's not happy with how Hugh Jackman is handled. No, not friends. at all. Uh, there's
0: a point here where he has cool clearly shift shifted his allegiance to the other mm-hmm. one. And you know, and I think he kind of represents the audience to a point in that sense, because I think that's also where we shift our allegiance to, mm-hmm. to Christian Bale's character. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, Michael Caine's definitely much more the moral center of this film. He he spouts off, okay, here's how the magic industry works. He explains it to the audience, more or less, saying, hey, here's the three stages of an act, and here's, like, this illusionist, and, like, here's what the different pieces mean. But by the time you get to the second and third act, there's one point where when he gets Borden's diary, Hugh Jackman's like, all right, well, we... Or, sorry, he gets the keyword, which is Tesla, because he wrote the whole diary in a cipher. Um... And it says Tesla. He's like, "All right, pack your bags, Michael Kane. We're going to America." And Michael Kane's just like, "All right, I—that's that, on you that's, now, that's buddy."
0: That's a bit of an obsession. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think I'll just stay here.
1: Yeah, th- there's also some
0: fun little moments worth mentioning. You know, there's a scene in the prison where Christian Bale like chains the guard mm. to to the the table, and that's like a funny little bit. Um yeah. and like him fumbling his little magic trick first is is actually the distraction so he can do it so he mm-hmm. feels sorry for him for a moment and then like all the prisoners start like cheering and like basically he's got an audience he's got an audience who appreciated his magic which is yeah kind of a nice little moment uh I appreciate that um there's just just little things sprinkled throughout uh to sort of you know because we could we've obviously been tackling the big stuff we've been tackling all the big things that uh really drive the characters
1: so the the one thing that kind of bothers me in this movie and i don't think it's a plot hole so much as just kind of a contrivance is that repeatedly and i mean repeatedly in this movie the acts are ruined because they are calling up actual random audience members up to the stage and they just keep on getting into disguises and getting called up onto the stage. I feel like, statistically, that's just not likely to happen. Is Am I weird for thinking that? I
0: guess, but I think um, what works about it is that, so, you have... So you have the earlier scenes where obviously Hugh Jackman dresses up and is fires the gun in the catch and the bullet act, which is where obviously he does put a real bullet mm-hmm. in and Christian Bale gets his fingers uh, blown off. Blown off. I yeah. think later on when the Christian Bale who's obsessed goes to try and find out how he's doing the teleporting man and that's where he ends up getting mm-hmm. framed for murder. In that scenario, and he goes up and he's you know he got the fake beard on and stuff and then he, goes, under, he yeah. goes backstage and he's like, I'm part of the act, you idiot, to one of the stagehands. Mm -hmm. going along with the idea that Hugh Jackman wanted to do this at some point, it makes sense that he was looking for him and intentionally said, pick that guy as soon as he knew it was going to be him
1: I'm okay with that one, but there was also a third one with the birdcage and it was on the very first night that they performed this new birdcage routine with the hands on all sides and Christian Bale's character just happens to be one of the ones that's called up to mess up the trick uh, and that just felt like a bit too convenient. Yeah,
0: that that's no, that's fair. I think that's fair. There's, there's some definitely some contrivances to make all this work. Um, as far mm. as character motivation goes, though, this is retaliation for shooting his fingers off. So this oh, yeah. feels uh,
1: motivation-wise, I believe it a hundred. Uh, oh yeah,
0: like I, I think, and that's the other thing when you look at it. Like almost every time a Christian Bale does something to Hugh Jackman, it's always after Hugh Jackman did something. Like you know. Far worse. Yeah, like, he, he, he escalated it every time, effectively. But mm-hmm. I think the movie does this trick where it feels like it's the other way around for a lot of the movie,
1: but it's not. Well, it's because the very first thing is killing the wife. And you have to question, like, all right, is two fingers worth killing the wife? Like, are, is it even now? And it's, in Christian Bale's mind, it's kind of, like, it's, it's, he truly did not mean for that to happen. And as you said before, the wife did agree to it, whether or not Hugh Jackman knows that or not. Well, honestly, feel like, the
0: way for to it basically means that there should be no retaliation, really. Yeah, <laughs> like that's there fair. shouldn't be any. I mean, ex-
1: I while I agree, yes, there should be less retaliation. I do think the fact that you know they were saying she is also to blame, but Christian Bale does share some of the blame of they said don't do the knot and they still did the knot. No, no, I think like, that there is he, some amount of he blame would feel to put
0: guilty for sure. Like I'm not, I'm not like disputing that, mm-hmm. but. She she wanted it too. She she gave the okay. She wanted it. Um, so ultimately, there really shouldn't be retaliation. But of course, and th- this is uh, partly on him because of the swapping two brothers and mm-hmm. not being able to like, actually say something honestly, like. Bec- like al- almost in doing that, and having the one that didn't tie the knot always being the one to actually go, and it actually kind of makes sense in a weird way. That the one that tied the knot was too ashamed to be the one to actually go to the funeral, so it was the one yeah. who didn't who went to pay his respects because clearly you know he probably still cared about her and feels guilty yeah. about it. But he because he couldn't give him a straight answer. That almost just fueled the obsession, which led to the, the gunshot, the big retaliation, mm-hmm. which I think came again. Was was the gunshot before or after he saw that he had a wife? Uh,
1: was that...? The, he only attempted to do the bullet catch after he had a wife, because remember there was that whole scene where he was showing Sarah how the bullet catch worked. No,
0: no, yeah, so no, it would no, have no been I after. know
1: that. But, oh, you mean how, after he saw? Because
0: there's a scene where he sees him with a wife and kid. That must be later, because the because yeah, she was she was
1: only pregnant. Yeah, she was only pregnant. Yeah. But he had a kid at that point. Yeah. yeah,
0: she was only pregnant when he was showing her how the gun trick worked. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, the first night he tries it is the night that Hugh Jackman puts in a real bullet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well actually it doesn't sound like it's the first night because the whole crowd is there who's just like kind of oh, e- pissed true. off at the other tricks. It's true, like this true. is what you're here for? Alright, fine, whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh which must um, Which the, must be so weird that your entire like 90% of your act is the stuff the crowd doesn't give a shit about. They're just there for that one thing at the very
1: end. Dude, I I I've seen audience analytics and stuff like that for the show I do for comic books. No one cares about anything but Batman. (laughs) Like, I get it. I understand. Uh... Um, But no, the other thing that was kind of a weird thing to me, and it's not it's not a plot hole. I've seen it listed as a plot hole sometimes is the fact that the cipher to Borden's book is Tesla. But he only ever discovers Tesla like several months into it. And so it wouldn't make any sense for the cipher to begin with that. I think that that's completely understandable, considering that this entire diary might be a fake to begin with, like written after the fact. My weird thing in this, and it is a bit of contrivance, is that Tesla is actually able to make the machine that Hugh Jackman was hoping he could. That's the weird part of it. Yeah, to that, me. yeah like, that's that's there's...
0: probably the biggest like convenience
1: i suppose as far as plot goes um it's like it's like me saying that like oh you want to go meet smith and you go meet up with smith and smith's like i can totally do that thing that's it it's like what are the odds they do
0: kind of imply they don't bring up too much but there is like a little subtext here where they bring up edison a couple times and there's an implication Mm -hmm. that tesla
1: and edison effectively have a similar rivalry (laughs) that are two but that's real life yeah that's that's something that actually happened. Edison was huge on the smear campaign yeah, for mean, Tesla in like, actual. I reality. mean, in the
0: context of the movie, though, I I think they're intentionally mm. relating it to that, and that's why Tesla's right. like, oh, this obsession, you know, destroy the machine, it will just lead to bad things, kind mm. of thing. Um, like, I, I think they were intentionally trying to push on. Uh, one of the things in the diaries, though, is that we didn't really mention that the. Like, so Hugh Jackman's reading the diary uh, that Christian mm. Bale wrote, and eventually it gets to the end, and Christian Bale is like. Hey, you're reading this, you. Ha, 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 ha. This was all... I sent you back to America. This was all a fake. Screw you. Yeah. And then it happens again, because obviously we're cutting between the diaries being read. We, We start with that, but then we skip to Christian Bale reading the other one in prison. Uh, that Hugh Jackman Mm -hmm. wrote, and then even that gets to the end, and he's like, yeah,
1: you're in prison for my murder, ha 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 ha. (laughs) But I I really like how Hugh Jackman accepted. He was like, oh, God, he played me. It's it's obvious. Meanwhile, Christian Bale was like, okay, this diary's got to be a fake, right? Because there's no way Hugh Jackman figured it all the way out up to this point.
0: (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think it's also the fact that there was a dead body and he saw him Mm -hmm. die. He saw him drown. So he is logically thinking, well, there's no way he could have written this after the fact because, you know, he doesn't know about Tesla devices actually, you know, cloning people yet. Actually doing that. So, like, I I think... yeah, the movie is very much kind of this ongoing like mystery box that's being unpacked, which I guess mm-hmm. does like tie in, especially Jonathan Nolan co-writing the script. You know, he would go on to do that, especially in
1: Westworld, where that played yeah. with narrative structure. I this feels like Westworld version one, where it's, like, it's ways, messing with the different yeah. ways that it's written out, and these mysteries just pile on top of each other.
0: Yeah, and a lot of ways I think it does. It's, I think. And that's maybe controversial. I do think I like Westworld season one specifically, <laughs> right? Not all of it. But I think season one, I might like it a little bit more in this and how it plays with time because it does something very unique to the concept of that mm. show that you can't do in anything else. So it is, yeah. Yeah, you can only do it with that premise and that type of characters that it has on that. Whereas this you know it, it deals with writing it deals with diaries and journals because that, that, this is a time before video or even audio really recording it's yeah. certainly being widespread anyway
1: the very beginning of the movie hugh jackman rolls into colorado springs to meet up with tesla and he's like your entire town has electricity <laughs> my
0: word yeah um you know and yeah actually it's a very pretty scene but there's a scene where uh, we see that uh, Tesla's working on all these light bulbs that don't have cables, mm. and they're just, like, uh, being lit they're from just the ground. They're the ground, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to think, actually. What, what's what's that doing, that scene? i' other than just going, ooh, and ah, he's, he's capable of so magical the things. Way,
1: the way that they keep on talking about Tesla throughout this movie is that he like magicians are doing tricks, magicians are yeah. doing illusions and stuff like that. But Tesla is an actual honest to God wizard. He is able to do things that defy reality. That's why and it, obviously there's always scientific explanations theoretically, because God knows cloning is not a thing along with teleportation. But regardless, uh, they treat it as if it's all just science, but every one of the characters says, like, no, 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 what like this We've always been doing tricks and stuff like that. When you stumble across actual honest-to-God magic, you have to play very carefully here Mm. because it's not something that's to be taken lightly. (sighs) And I think that's when we get into Hugh Jackman's plot. He takes this real magic and he just goes crazy with it he he doesn't listen to warnings
0: and i get why they call it magic i get i get why you're using the word magic but obviously it's Mm. actually just science fiction (laughs) rather (laughs) than magic but this is
1: where that tag comes back in
0: um it also uh, tesla's introduction is him walking like underneath the tesla coil so he walks Mm -hmm. through the 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 lightning effectively and it's actually a very absurd looking shot um
1: that almost felt a bit hokey for a nolan movie yeah i I feel like they just wanted the big reveal that that's David Bowie. And they were like, mm. how can we give someone as just totally out there as David Bowie a proper entrance? And walking through a lightning storm? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like a good entrance.
0: And then he immediately gives an example of electricity running through a human and that we can mm. actually you know, be the connectivity yeah, to, to light up a yeah. light bulb.
1: I think that all of the technology they showed outside of the box probably exists probably does work i don't think there's anything that sounds that outlandish
0: no no i don't think it does i mean if anything the only thing that struck me is uh like over the top for movie purposes is like literally every time we see like a big tesla coil like just how much is coming off of it especially when Mm. he goes to the the museum to like see the display and it looks like the place is about to explode and people start running out because it's that like volatile looking
1: that is a that is a tiny little hint they gave though is that um the guy who's sitting in the front row kind of like just like heckling it all and he's like oh everybody get out it's gonna explode he's also one of the guys who's Edison's men from the later scene oh really that's good ball so it's, he was he was an audience plant the whole time just more so putting up those parallels that's that's
0: funny that's funny uh yep. and obviously Christian Beale also just happens to be sitting there watching yep which ties into the the lie i suppose later on as well that his Mm -hmm. stuff came from tesla um it also it also feeds into a little bit of that classic idea of like uh you know if you go back and show a caveman something with electricity it will look like just magic right yeah it's the idea that that magic is just science that we don't yet understand and Mm -hmm. to people in this time period when electricity is just this new thing a lot of it probably does feel kind of magical obviously to us and you know 2023 not so much we, we kind of yeah we have a basic understanding and acceptance of what it is um not a complete understanding i'm not an electrician <laughs> but you know enough of an understanding
1: my uh my downstairs bathroom fan was never actually wired up to the switch mm. so it just remains on all the time and I was like, "How hard could it be?" So I just popped <laughs> off the popped off the little light cover. And I looked inside, and there were like seventy different wires there. And I was like, "All right, this is a job for someone smarter than I." I'm not gonna mess with that.
0: Yeah, so I, I think there's an element of that in it as well, uh, which you know is, is almost mixing that idea with the whole it's a trick, and you know it's a mm-hmm. trick, but you don't really want to like ruin it, so you're not really looking. That's kind of the final yeah. point that it makes at the end is you're not you're not looking for the dark truth. Uh, and the dark truth mm-hmm. at the end, obviously, is all these dead Hugh Jackmans and all these tanks from every time yep. he's done this trick. Which,
1: like, I get it. I understand you don't want evidence of your, like, dead bodies just out there. But I also don't think that storing them all is a good solution either. No, no.
0: And maybe he had, like, a long-term plan. He was going to, like, incinerate the whole place in one fell yeah. swoop.
1: I mean, he did, technically. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. Whole place catches on fire, so...
0: Yeah, but that's before all the tanks are just sitting there at the end, isn't
1: it? I mean, yeah, but if it's if the whole place is gonna go up, it's about to be incinerated. Yeah, so
0: true, true. I yeah, I, I think um yeah, this idea of like not only just like him killing part of himself every single time, uh mm-hmm. in in a figurative way, if you're not even taking it literally, which you could still take it literally in a sense, um yeah. is like also literally very literally in this case a lot of
1: skeletons in a closet. (laughs) Like, you know, that's basically what he has at the end. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. One thing we uh, didn't mention, which I think is kind of a major character point, is Mm. he goes to Christian Bale's first putting on of the teleporting man, the transporting man, and he's in awe. He has no idea how it's done. He's just absolutely gobsmacked by it, but he points out that, like, it's so above and beyond what anyone is capable of doing that nobody really is able to process it like the rest of the audience is just lightly politely clapping because they're like okay that's it they don't understand how amazing of a trick it is in the industry yeah and i I think it goes back to that sort of idea of like you have to put on this show you have to put you have to dress it up a little bit and that's where hugh jackman comes in. he's like that's all i i win literally the greatest showman I will do that.
0: Be proud of that joke. I am. Just gonna let the awkward silence sit here for a minute while everyone pro- That's fine. processes. You yeah, awkward. You say awkward. So I'm basking. Yes. I'm absorbing. <laughs> yeah it's also because at the end of the movie as well when he's when he's dying he's talking to christian bale and he says you know like that wonder on their face you know Mm -hmm. right after if you can capture that if you can see that on their faces that's intoxicating it's interesting you pointed out that that's the look he had in his face when he saw christian bale do his trick for the first time uh Mm -hmm. using these twin and i think that's interesting that he was chasing that on other people's faces and you know he effectively got to the point where he cheated and then it turned out the entire time, Michael Kanan was right. It was just a second person, just just in a way yep. that was more specific, and like the commitment was like unparalleled uh, mm-hmm. from the get go. So
1: I also I also like how up until that point in the movie, he constantly has acts and stuff. He's trying to get theater bookings and whatnot, but he's always trying to come up with new tricks. The one that we see is the the dove. Thing where he doesn't just kill the dove he actually manages to to get it out of the collapsible box without anybody noticing but it's as soon as that trick is revealed he never develops another trick there is nothing else worth investigating for him it is all just about that transporting man
0: yep yep uh what he calls the new transporting man when he has his (laughs) yeah
1: i love the different bouncing back and forth you have the transporting man and then the new transporting man and then Bale goes to the original transported man, and then he comes back with the Tesla thing and says the real transported man.
0: So all I'm learning from that is that someday Coca-Cola will have the
1: real Coca-Cola. Yep. <laughs> the classic transporting man. Transported man zero. Oh dear. The man, the
0: stationary man, that'll be the prequel.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: Because he's not transported yet.
1: He just closes the door and opens it back up yeah. and everyone claps.
0: yeah no i mean like obviously i started off with my you know just my my general feelings of where this lands for me in nolan's filmography because i do like it probably less than i think a lot of nolan nerds do but i do still think it's really good there's still it's still very well crafted there's still a lot to like about it um but it's definitely the one that i i feel uh, less inclined to return to I would say, out of a lot of the other films that he's done. Like, I I find myself more drawn to an Inception again or or whatever.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I don't, I think that this is a movie that's best watched, like, at most once a year or so, when you just have time to forget little things. I don't think there's any mm -hmm. real benefit. You watch it the first time and then you can immediately watch it a second time to see all the things you missed, but then you need to take a good long break in order to just kind of forget about a few things. Because when I was watching this, I I still had pits in my stomach. I knew the reveals were coming up, I knew these big twists were coming, but it didn't stop the emotional impact that it had on me. I still was like, oh god, this is about to happen, and I know it, and I can't stop it. And it was still just as impactful for me.
0: Yeah, I think, if there's anything that I would say, is I wish it just, like, it slowed down its pacing a little bit here or there, just so I could get more connected to the characters. But it, that would kind of ruin some of the mysteries because that would probably reveal what's going on yeah. with some of the characters, which they're trying to conceal. So that's just kind of like a like the premise almost gets in the way of some basic character storytelling mm. in, a, in a sense.
1: It's, it's one of those things, I know you're not big on Game of Thrones, uh-huh. but in the original books, they're told from different character perspectives. Like every chapter is told from a different character's perspective. And there are certain characters in that series where you never get their perspective because if they were to have that chapter from their point of mind, tons of mysteries would just immediately be thrown away Mm. because it's like all hinging on the fact that we don't know what this character is doing. Same sort of thing in this movie where if you had those scenes where you really took the time to explore Christian Bale's character. I feel like it would just immediately throw away all those mysteries.
0: What's weird, though, is the more I think about it, I do wonder, like, is it a more interesting story to actually watch the whole movie from his perspective and seeing how they're pulling it off and to see their conversations with each other and see how they're actually maintaining it? Like, part of me almost thinks that that might even be a better film because I think that, that dynamic would be really cool to see. I think it's an
1: interesting concept, but it's a totally separate film. Yeah, it's a very different like film. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's completely different. Like, it's not a matter of adjusting a few scenes. That is no, a from-the-ground-up no. storyline.
0: Yeah, that, that is very different, but, but it almost makes me want that. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting, I, I guess, critique I could give it is that it left me almost wanting a slightly different movie than what, what it actually is. But,
1: yeah. you know, I... I, I, appro- I mean... That was that was back to our conversation on insomnia. That was I I was kind of just always wanting a slightly different movie than what it gave me, but I still recognized how good the movie was. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, so uh, yeah, I I, I think it, I think the movie
0: is very good, and I think it's you know mm-hmm. it's got a good cast, it's got a really strong sort of hook, and it it's it's constantly twisting and turning. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would say that maybe by the end, the twisting and turning, like or even by the end, I would say maybe about halfway through, I started to feel like, okay, you've been twisting and turning a lot. Like, I, I almost want to just settle and, like, really get invested in what's going on now. Mm. And it almost has been too concealing and too twisty and turning to let me actually do that. Um, So I, I do wish it did that a little bit more. But um, it is very good. It does have a good cast. It does have mm-hmm. uh, a really inventive
1: and fun narrative structure. But,
0: yeah. Not without its false. I mean... That-
1: yeah i i agree with everything that you basically just said it's just that i come down a bit more on if i had to rank nolan movies this would probably be third maybe fourth all things considered i i really enjoy this one uh completely so it's it's i agree with everything you're saying it just hits more for me i guess yeah that's fair
0: um that said though the people some, when i was saying that i see people online say it's the best one i'm definitely i'm sure i've seen people say it's the only good nolan movie which obviously is a very extreme Oof, movie that right? is a strong like, that's
1: a strong line
0: yeah it's a very extreme opinion to have uh but uh but I, I think that just helps prove my point though that it's different because mm-hmm. if they if if there's a group of people saying that it's the only one they like then that by in definition is saying it is a bit different at least to the rest of them which just kind of backs up why I feel a little differently towards this one than I do the rest, even though I do appreciate a lot of it, anyway. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, how many how many times can we say that Nolan has a black sheep in his filmography I, in like different ways? Well,
0: you keep saying I've not said it once, but you you you, you love returning to that phrase for some reason, which I think once you have three of them, it basically has no meaning because That's you fair. can only really have one. <laughs>
1: All right, so this is, like, the mildly off-white sheep. (laughs) Still pretty good. Oh, dear. Anyway, are we getting into ratings? We are getting into ratings.
0: I I just... I I know that, like, the comments might be volatile for this one, because I Mm. came in with a slightly more... And you deserve
1: it! How dare you!
0: (laughs) I came in with a slightly less than, like, glowing praise for it. So, uh... But hey, hey, if you hey, just wait till Dunkirk, okay? Then you'll see me Ooh. being conflicted on a Nolan movie. All right,
1: that's that's next week. That's what we're doing. next. I still like oh, this boy. a lot,
0: but also I think when I first saw it, there was part of me was like, I bet Dark Knight would be a year sooner if this didn't happen. <laughs> I think I, I think I thought that. Whereas I never had that thought with Inception. Inception was so freaking good that I didn't care mm-hmm. that Dark Knight Rises was taking an extra couple of years. I was like, yes, this is this is cinema, baby. Right. <laughs> You pulled a Scorsese,
1: huh? <laughs> this is cinema. All right. What are you rating the prestige? 10? <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've been sitting on it and this, we, so far not counting Oppenheimer because we don't know quite because of filming times where we rely on that. But so far we've lined up on every Nolan film that we've talked about. Oh really? We've, we've shared a rating, but this is going to be the one that I think breaks it because I'm going to go ahead and give this one a nine. I I really enjoy this movie. I think it was very well done. It's up there in some of... Like I said, it's either third or fourth for me. And honestly, I wouldn't... I don't think I'd put Memento above it. I think that this is on par or slightly above Memento, all things considered. So I'm giving this one still the same score of a nine, but I just... Eight. I'm invested. I really like the characters. I really like the storylines. Following the different twists for me is entertaining rather than a chore. I I just I'm all in for it. So, yeah, nine for me.
0: I uh, I prefer Memento. I prefer following. No. I prefer Insomnia. <laughs> I prefer all those movies That's over fair. this one. That's fair. Um, I connect to those characters and whatever their arcs are more. And some of them even play with similar ideas of like you know unreliable like narration or storytelling and things like that um i yeah i think you know it's, i think it just about scrapes an eight for me like i think it just nope. gets there and probably just no more like but, but like I, I think it still gets to the eight because the quality is still very high It's not, there's, mm. there's nothing there's nothing to like tear apart here by any means like everything i'm talking about it's more like like, if i come at this with a more negative tone it's because i'm like i'm trying to examine it and see why i don't feel the same way i do about this that i do the other films that i do find myself way more attached to so right. you know I, i'm trying to diagnose that, and i think i've done an okay job of doing that but yeah um I, I think it still gets to just gets to an 8 out of 10 for me um which is to say you know i obviously like christopher nolan a lot because this is the one that i like the least outside of the one that i outright dislike
1: more on Got that again. next week I can't wait to see what that score is going to be. That's going to blow me away, especially because I've never seen it. So I, I might come in like, you, "Oh my god, you may was love great. it." Yeah, you may yeah. love it,
0: and some people love it. Tara, I know, loves
1: it. She, she, mm. she sings the pretty She thinks it's his best movie because she's crazy. Well, if there's anything we know it's that tara picks only good movies for us so <laughs> yeah let's check out
0: our patreon bonus content uh particularly extra reels which you can get the five dollar tier where tara picks really 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 terrible movies for <laughs> us to watch and review um, i think it's
1: angry at our ratings
0: i think it's angry that we don't praise them because reasons uh yep. so yeah uh like recently we we did a neil breen movie uh mm-hmm. we we've done all sorts of shenanigans but uh some of them are genuinely great though as bad movies oh, yeah. some of them are endurance tests <laughs> so uh yeah check out that you also get bonus episodes every month at the dollar and up tier uh which is usually loosely tied to the uh the, the, the whatever the current main theme is of the show uh which in yeah. this case we did the illusionist because it kind of tied it to this it came out the same year it's like the same movie apparently um, I don't think that's true. I, don't think, no. it's, I don't think it's rivals or anything like that. But I mean, I could, maybe it is. Maybe I'm forgetting. I, yeah. I, I think I watched it like half paying attention once when it was on TV. Same. So I don't. I, re-
1: I remember the exact time where I was yeah. just like, "Oh, hey, yeah, losing this. I vaguely remember this happening.
0: So I, I, I don't know what what I said about it because we're, we're not recorded that yet. But that that'll be up on Patreon already by now. So yep. go check that out. Uh,
1: now, hold on. Gonna interrupt oh. because we still have one more thing to do. We have to decide does this movie make the cut?
0: Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Uh, I assume yeah. you're going to argue that it makes the cut.
1: Yes. Now, yeah. I'm assuming I can't get you to a cut above.
0: Not a chance, but I will agree to make the All cut. Right. I'll take it. I'll take my victories where I can. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. Um, but yeah, so Dunkirk coming next week. And after that, mm-hmm. we move on to the Expendabalis. <laughs> I,
1: uh, is that a hispanic franchise I'm, I'm <laughs> i thought familiar. i'll make it
0: sound like more sophisticated if i try and sound like it's in a foreign yes uh, Les
1: expendables.
0: yes uh yeah the expendables franchise is the fourth one coming out it does not look very good but uh we're going to do the previous three and then the new one anyway so that's coming up after nolan season just just to give yeah. us some
1: whiplash yeah <laughs> Well, I mean the the bridging movie is going to be Dunkirk, so Are you, do you really think that's going to feel like expendables? <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of explosions and stuff. That's enough, right? uh sure.
0: Uh, but there you go. That that is the show, though. That has been our our penultimate Nolan episode on the Prestige. We'll see you next time for Dunkirk. Let us know what you thought of this one in the comments. Do you agree? with me you know the more interesting opinion the more you know Mm -hmm. less conventional exciting nuanced opinion or do you just agree with david and the masses
1: yeah (laughs) populism
0: (laughs) that's the show everyone thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep watching movies and abracadabra